If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Women Physicians Lead, hosted by Dr. Lisa Herbert, helps women physicians move from surviving to thriving in their personal and professional lives. Dr. Lisa shares leadership tips, burnout support, stress management strategies, and inspiration from women physicians who've made remarkable transitions into leadership roles. There's a fantastic episode that you should check out called Taking Care of Yourself During the Journey about how women physicians can care for themselves while on their leadership journeys. Check out Women Physicians Lead on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. I'm Tara Bradner, and this is Hopeful Hints, an infertility podcast where you will receive quick, hopeful hints to guide you through infertility. Here, you will find education, inspiration, and most importantly, find peace as you walk through this journey to fulfill your family vision. Are you struggling with understanding what you should eat, what supplements to take, or overwhelmed by what your fertility treatment protocol really means, or simply just need somebody to walk beside you while you're going through infertility? I'd like to introduce you to the Competent Fertility Academy. It is the only program out there of its kind created by a doctorate nurse practitioner. Whether you're just starting your trying to conceive journey or have failed many rounds, the Confident Fertility Academy will help you find clarity with my proven process. You will go from being overwhelmed to confident and in full control moving forward with your fertility care. Inside the Academy is a step-by-step approach to learning everything you need to know to move forward confidently when building your family. You will receive access to life time monthly coaching with me and access a educational chorus. All of this comes with access for life. Head over to today's show notes to learn more about the Confident Fertility Academy. Welcome to Hopeful Hands. I'm your host, Dr. Tara Brandner, and I'm so excited for today's guest, Marilyn Gomez, where you will recognize her from as infertile tease. And I know you can't see me, but I'm wearing the most comfy sweatshirt. I am obsessed with crew neck sweatshirts this year. So in today's show notes, make sure you check out the link to her shop. You will not be sorry. So without further ado, welcome Marilyn to Hopeful Hints. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to connect with you. Yes, your stuff is just the best. Like it's just so comfy. It's cute. Like it's subtle. We can wear it out wherever type of thing. But what got you started? Can you share a little bit about your personal connection to infertility? Yeah, I'm going to give you the Cliff Notes version because I can talk about this for like, like pull up a chair, bring some snacks, we've got wine, we go on and on. But my journey started in 2009 when I just got married and I wanted a big family. And we started trying really like unofficially, like, three months after we got married and we were very eager to start having a family. And about three months in, I decided to go to the OBGYN because I was like, I want to get the party started. It's time to get pregnant. And I kind of fibbed and I always joke, like they can't, they tell you like to wait a year, but they can't tell. Right. Like three months in and like, yeah, it's been a year. Like it's been a year. It was such a lie. She got me on Clomid immediately and we did several months of Clomid cycles. 
And I didn't think that I was infertile. It was just, I didn't really know what infertility really was. I, I just thought I was stressed. I was working a corporate job at the time. And so just wasn't working. And so um, during that time, like my husband got a great job in another state and moved to Salt Lake City from Orlando, Florida. I found an RE. Um, well, actually, I feel like I'm skipping ahead. I, they had found uterine polyps. My OB was like, Clomid isn't working. Like, you may need to go to an RE. So I found an RE in Orlando. He found uterine polyps. And he, like, acted that was, like, that was my issue. And so I thought I was going to get pregnant right away, and it didn't work. And by this time, we're a couple years in already. And we moved from Orlando to Salt Lake City, Utah, where I went to another RE, right? And I moved. And he got me started on IUIs. And I always forget, I think I did seven or six rounds of IUIs because it was either seven or eight or seven or six rounds of Clomid. So I get those numbers mixed up. So we did a ton of IUIs and it wasn't working. And, um, you know, when I teach about self-advocacy, um, this was a moment where I had to advocate for myself. Like Instagram was a thing now. It was 2012. I started my Instagram account. I used to blog and I'd met a lot of women that were trying to conceive in the blogging world. And we all kind of moved to Instagram. And um, I was learning what to ask my doctor. I didn't know what to ask because I didn't really know I was infertile, really, right? And so I asked him about um, vitamin D and like what his thoughts were, if that had an impact in infertility. And he just wouldn't entertain dialogue with me about it. And it didn't make me feel really good about it. I was like, why is he not taking time to answer my questions? And just made me feel really stupid. And so I knew that that wasn't the doctor I wanted to continue to invest emotionally and financially in. And so I found another RE and she got me started on IVF pretty much immediately. She was like, we really won't be able to tell what's going on with you unless we do IVF. And so we did IVF and it didn't work. And it was a chemical pregnancy. And I didn't even know what chemical pregnancy meant. Like I just, I just felt so naive because I was like, it's so expensive. I think it's going to, it's going to work. Like I thought it was, I thought it guaranteed me a baby, but that was not the case. And so after that loss, she said, well, I believe you have unexplained infertility, which to me was like a slap in the face. Like, how can you not explain this? <laughs> like that doesn't make any sense to me. So we dove into IVF number two. I'm a Capricorn. I'm a go-getter. I'm like, we're going to do this again, like next month. And so we started stimming immediately. Um, and I'm like giggling and laughing, but it was so hard. It was so hard, like mentally. It just really took a toll on me. I started seeing a therapist and I'm involved in group therapy with other women that were also experiencing infertility. And my second IVF, um, we had four embryos and I transferred two and froze two. And that one I mis I miscarried that cycle. And that's when I it really like set in, like, oh, you're infertile. And I um this was 2014, and it kind of like was a big slap in the face. And I needed to find ways to support my mental health. And also get me back to myself because you lose yourself so much throughout that process. You feel like a scientific experiment, like you're just like, like it just, you're not in your body. And so I wanted to find my way back to me. 
And so I started really leaning into the community and supporting other people that are also having the same experience as myself, because showing up for other people during their healing really heals elements of yourself. It's almost like um, when you practice gratitude or um, when you give, you give to other people, it just kind of fills your cup up. And so I started really leaning into the, into community while I was healing through therapy and someone from the community on Instagram reached out to me and she's like, Hey, like, I know you just had a failed second IVF. I recommend going to another clinic. My girlfriend got pregnant there and she has horrible eggs. You have an explicit fertility. It's out of state, but she's also out of state. Here's her phone number. She's willing to talk to you if you want to pick her brain about this other clinic. And I was like, I just felt incredible, like leaning because I was so transparent online and you build that trust in community. Someone felt compelled to reach out to me and say, hey, like, can I give you something to think about? And I have a resource for you in case you want to accept that resource. And so that's present day. I feel like the big sister in the community, like that's what I want to do and continue to do for other people. And so for me, it was like such a blessing that she reached out to me because I did take her up on that offer. I called her friends. She was living in another state at the time. And we were on the phone for two hours and she answered every single one of my questions. And it was amazing. And I did go to that other clinic and this is early 2015. Yeah, early 2015. And I did a one day workup. So I was living in Utah, flew to Colorado, did a one day workup at this clinic. And I started to learn that the clinic that I was at in Utah, they're kind of template matching. They weren't really catering everything to my body and what my body needed to have a successful cycle. They were just doing what made their numbers look better for everybody. And so um, I went back to Utah and I said, okay, I'm going to go to another clinic. I need my medical records. And she was like, well, why? why? And I was like, well, I, I, this is how I'm feeling. This is what I experienced. <clears throat> and, um, you know, they really uh, believe that frozen embryo transfers have a higher success rate. And, you know, uh, this was a fact for me. It may not be true for everybody, but for me, they said, this is what we think would be well for your body. And she was like, oh, well, I don't believe in frozen embryo transfers. I don't think that they have a high success rate. Meanwhile, I have two frozen embryos at her clinic. <laughs> so I was like, okay. So this new clinic in Colorado, they were like, we're not going to accept those embryos you have frozen. We're going to do a brand new retrieval. We're going to get you in the study. I did an acai berry study. Um, I had to take supplements with acai berry for eight weeks, like before they did my retrieval. It's supposed to help with like egg quality. Um, I was like, I'm not nothing to lose at this point. Sign me up for all the studies. So I did that. And then, um, yeah, at my egg retrieval, I was able to send four embryos to PGS test and two came back normal. So I transferred two in September of 2015. And then and then, and then they said I was pregnant, like it, like it worked. And so when I went to my, um, which I was like, yeah, mm -hmm, I've been done the drug before whatever. And the nurse was like, no, you're, you're pregnant. Like, yeah, let's see. Then I made it to my ultrasound and there was one heartbeat. And so I was like, what happened to the other one? And I guess your body dissolves it. I mean, I don't really know much of how that works, but, um, 
And then I gave birth to my, my rainbow baby in June of 2016. Marilyn, we have so much in common. Let's get into your three pillars. Pillar number one, self-advocacy. Right. When you lean into self-advocacy, first of all, the only spokesman for yourself is yourself. Like you don't, can you imagine like, I don't have a sidekick or my shadow doesn't lean over and like, hey, hold on, I've got another question. No, it's literally you. So you have to like really feel confident in yourself and ask your your doctor, like, why did you choose this protocol for me? And we're going to get into this, but I want people to put on right now the bravest face, the most brave thing you've ever done because you need to advocate for yourself when it comes to this journey more than any other diagnosis or patient is doing in America. You with infertility need to believe in yourself, believe in that feeling when something doesn't feel right. Yeah. So the easiest way for me to describe self-advocacy, because oftentimes people are like, they think of advocacy and they're like, I'm out there doing protests and all this himself. They're like, I don't really understand. Um, so this is, this is the analogy that, that I like to give. You go to a restaurant, you order steak. Maybe you order it well done, right? That's how I would order it because I like my steak burnt. I know. So you order your steak, you tell the waiter, I want it well done. And then they bring your steak and it's medium rare because you still see pink, right? So there's two types of people. A, oh, I'm just going to freaking deal with it and like kind of pick at the edges of my steak. I'm not going to send it back, whatever. I don't want to call the hassle and make a big scene. Or B, I'm paying for this meal. I'm going to eat what I ordered. Hey, waiter, I asked for medium or well done. The steak is pink and then send it back, right? And so getting into that mindset of like, you are paying for your infertility. I think most of us are paying for it, right? You're paying for it. You're hiring your doctor. It's your body, nobody else's body. It's your physical body and your emotions. Like if your doctor does not entertain an easy question or, or, or a dialogue, right? Then maybe it's time to get another opinion. Now, look, some doctors, right? Like op- they are open to our questions. We have the internet at our fingertips, right? They know that we're doing research. I mean, this community, we log online and we are researching, right? So maybe they can get a little bit annoyed and maybe we don't know what we're talking about, but at least like the doctor at least has to have some type of dialogue to help you understand their reasoning. If they're just shutting you out, that's not somebody that you want to pay thousands of dollars to to try to get you pregnant, right? But if they're helping you understand their point of view, talking to you about whatever the case is, that's what even, even if it's not exactly what you're asking for because you think you know best, at least they're having a dialogue with you and they're explaining to you what their thought process is. If your doctor cannot do that, then you need to find another doctor. It's your body, right? Like, you know your body better than anybody else. Here's the other kicker, right? Like, you're paying out of pocket for this. So you should be very hypervigilant of what is going on and what you're paying for, right? And you can, like, I always tell people to, like, don't feel so connected to your doctor. Like, you're not going to see him at the family reunion. You're not going to see him out and about. And if you do, oh, well, get a second opinion and, and advocate. If you don't feel heard, you better consider a second or third or fourth opinion. And that's OK to do that. A lot of people may not think about this, but it's, your doctor's not really the one that's getting you pregnant, right? right? They are 
catering your protocol to your body, but it's the lab and the embryologist and how they handle the specimens and the embryos and the sperm and the process. Like you want to make sure that you're learning about the embryologists at these labs. How long have they been in their career? Like what is your clinic doing that's different than other clinics? Are they staying at the cutting edge of technology or how are they continuing their education? Like those are really important things to ask if you're shopping for a clinic, but also if you're finding yourself, okay, third, fourth, fifth. And I know people that have been with their, you know, their REs for seven, eight rounds. And I'm like, okay, where else can, what else can we uncover here? Yes. Many don't realize how important that lab is. Pillar number two. So when I, when I teach these pillars, um, leaning into community. So pillar number two is community because you cannot do this by yourself. You have to surround yourself with like-minded people, people that understand what you're experiencing. We are surrounded by friends and family, right? That want to be there and want to support us. But if they're not experiencing infertility, it is very hard for them to show up for us the way we need them to, right? And sometimes it's hard for us to explain to those people that want to be there for us that don't really understand what it feels like what we need from them. So leaning into community, which means you have to be proactive. You can't just sit back and just like wait for someone to tap you on the shoulder and be like, hey, how's it going? No, like search the hashtags, find the Facebook groups, find your local uh, support organization. Um, Most fertility clinics have support groups. So contacting, contacting the office manager or uh, a contact at the fertility clinic to see what groups uh, are formed in your area. Also, nonprofit organizations, um, Fertility for Color Girls, Cave Foundation. Um, there are so many organizations that have support groups. Uh, Resolve has support groups as well, ongoing virtually as well. So, finding ways to lean in for support uh, through community and show up for other people, like join join in and and be there for other people if someone had a loss like get their contact information and send them a card like that's something that you would want someone to do for you right and so just finding ways to support others that are experiencing it and just create that community by showing up for other people it's so so important i think the hardest thing if you're listening and you haven't found a support system yet to do is to make that initial leap to join that first support group session so knowing that once you take that leap it gets easier and like you said they're virtual nowadays keep your camera off if you're not ready like just surround yourself with some support so you're not alone on the island absolutely pillar number three healing start finding ways to heal at the beginning of your journey like don't wait until your third fourth fifth miscarriage were lost because it's so hard to physically pick yourself up emotionally it's so so hard to do that and so finding ways to start healing and it sounds crazy like i think people expect for you to already be wounded to start healing but like there's so much that we carry already throughout infertility that we we need to talk to somebody right and you know if you're doing this with a partner like go together and find a specialist a therapist, a licensed therapist that specializes in infertility and loss, and they will help you 
have the tools at hand on how to process grief triggers. They'll help you with boundary setting statements. So they will literally help you get things off of your chest. And there are other healing modalities other than talk therapy, right? You can go do Reiki or energy work and, you know, do other things that can help you. But talk therapy is very important when you're fertility. A hundred percent. And I think I don't talk about this enough and I kind of have been wanting to do more of this, but to share more about the impact that infertility can have on your marriage and when to catch that so you can stop it. And oh yeah, oof, it's just not talked about enough and how to keep that communication open and strong and what to do when you do hit a point because it'll probably more than likely happen where you don't agree with something or you're on two different mindsets. Absolutely. Share with us more about what you've done now on the other side, where people can find you and the work you're doing now. Oh my gosh. I just feel like it's so ingrained into like my everyday life. It's so hard to write, like talk about it. <laughs> like, you know, I um those last two frozen embryos that I had, I transferred them in late 2019 and it didn't work. And it was a shot really that I had given myself to try to grow my family. And so I knew that for my mental health and for my well-being and for the well-being of my family, that it was time to close that chapter and just accept having one child in a society that expects you to have one more. So I armed myself with the tools that I have acquired through therapy, but also leaned into like doing polls of like, okay, are you a single child adult? Like shoot me a DM. I have some questions to ask you. And then I learned that like those adults loved being only children because they had access to their parents at all times. They felt like they were their parents' best friends. It was just a nice, incredible bond. And so for me, it was so comforting to like dismantle the, the uh, stigma that society has put on a single child. Like, oh, they're lonely. Well, no, they're not lonely because they have their parents. Oh, you know, you're robbing them of a sibling. Well, no, because they've never had a sibling. So they don't, they don't know what, I'm not robbing them of anything, right? And so just like almost creating like a, a brand new story around what society thinks that you should give your child, right? When really they just want to feel loved and seen and comforted and safe and fed, right? And so I started really focusing on um, partnering with other women that are struggling with secondary infertility and doing support groups with, um, with them. You know, you have to get to a place and acceptance, but also like, you choose if you want to continue growing your family, family or not. But if you choose not to, you're going to be okay, right? Um, it's rewiring the stories that we've told ourselves that like a family is supposed to look like. Um, and then I started Infertile Tea right before my that embryo transfer. When I transferred those frozen two in late 2019, I created a transfer day t-shirt. I got so many compliments on it. I was like, well, maybe people will like us. So I just... Like literally it took me two seconds. I was like, I'll just name it infertile teas. And I opened it up on an Instagram and I just like started listing t-shirts. And I was like, hey guys, like hit me up on Venmo and DMs and Venmo me if you like a t-shirt. We'll have it made. And then, um, and then the response that I got, I was like, maybe I should just like make this a thing. And so I officially launched it last year, 20, June of 2020, which was on my daughter's fourth birthday. And I, um, I have learned and my goal has been to make people feel seen and heard 
through these really cute, unique shirts that don't necessarily scream like, I'm infertile, but like still feels kind of cute, fashionable every day. You feel like you're part of something while you're owning your journey without having to scream it out loud to everybody. But a conversation starter, if you want to start that conversation, right? And so that's where a lot of my focus is, is, is infertile is and just continuing to lean into the community. And also I'm very passionate about coverage for infertility. So partnering with, you know, our whole government, a lot of people forget that like it starts locally. These people are moving up and up and up and eventually they'll be governing or taking Senate seats for legislation seats for your state. And so really rallying behind these state officials. I'm so, so passionate because nobody should ever have to pay to try to build a family, but also like you're literally stimulating the economy by having children. So like, why are we not getting discovered? I just, uh, so that's kind of like a hodgepodge of things that I'm like, you know, passionately chasing and actively working on and then continuing to bridge um, connections with people in the community that are also doing amazing things. Marilyn, I think we just became best friends. We also have that in common. <laughs> that is so wonderful. I think people, like you said earlier, get scared when they hear the word advocacy and think you have to have like degrees and experience when I cannot tell you how important it is that your district legislator hears your story. That is so powerful. Last year, for those that aren't familiar in the North Dakota legislation, the day our bill was heard, we flipped eight legislators because the night before their constituents shared their story. And these are old men. We mm -hmm. flipped them because of a simple message they heard the night before. So it is literally sharing a paragraph, your whole story, an email, a phone call. It can move mountains. It moved mountains. Because of that, we have a very strong presence now going forward because of how close we were to flipping the house almost just here in our little red North Dakota like area. But your voice is so powerful and it might be the first time you're sharing too. So never hold back. There's people to help you through this and to help you transition how to even begin doing that. And if the word like advocacy sounds scary, like think of it as seed planting. You're planting yes. seeds. That's it. You're planting seeds. That's what you're doing. You're, you know? So it truly is something so little. I say essentially like it could be a paragraph that is so big in the end. So thank you, Marilyn, for being an advocate too. Well, thank you so much, Marilyn. I'm going to link everything in today's show notes where people can find you. I am certain that your inbox is always open for anyone wanting to connect with you if they feel a connection to your story or just want to share with you or ask you questions so thank you for being a huge part of the infertility community and joining us on hopeful hits thank you if you enjoyed today's show please head over and hit subscribe or leave a review for hopeful hints and infertility podcast thank you so much for listening and we'll see you back here next week tuesday